Now, love, sickness, is so personal. It is something that's deep in the human heart. And of course, a thing cannot love. You may love your car, but your car will never love you. Your computer will never love you. You may love it. You may love your smartphone. You may miss it, but it will never miss you. There is no sense of internal emotion within things, but love. Welcome to the new year and to our broadcast here at Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. And at the beginning of this new year, we want to give God the praise for this opportunity to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus to you, wherever you may be. And I trust that you'll be encouraged and blessed another year through the preaching of God's Word, and that we may be, uh, in a sense, partners together in getting the gospel out to men around this city of Greater Vancouver and in this area of British Columbia. Of course, our Sunday programs go to various stations across Canada, but each day, Monday to Friday, 5 and 5, we're on the air here on the station to let the Bible speak. And today we turn to Song of Solomon, to chapter 4, and we're going to come to that message that there is no spot in thee. What an encouraging word for the first day of the new year, that the Lord Jesus, when he looks upon his bride, he sees no spot in her. And that's because he looks upon Christians through the righteousness of his own Son. And we praise God for this liberty, this burden lifted, that God enjoys fellowship with his blood-washed people through the Lord Jesus. We have a hymn today, Abide With Me. And I'm reminded of those words of the Lord Jesus, that if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. There will be blessed fellowship. Now, to abide in the Lord, of course, we need to walk with him in the light of his word. We need to seek him and endeavor to draw nearer and nearer to the Lord, away from the world, away from the things of the flesh and sin, and to truly enter into sweet communion with the Lord Jesus. And that, of course, is wonderfully possible for the Christian. Indeed, it is our daily privilege to have that sacred flame of the living Lord Jesus dwelling in us and ministering to our hearts. Now, we begin today with a question answer from the book of Romans. And the question here is, why did Paul write this letter to the Romans? And uh, that's a good question to start out on because you, you need to know the purpose for the letter. You need to know the reason behind the one taking paper and starting out with this doctrinal theses to the Christians in the city of Rome. Now, I've got a few short answers for this, uh, and, and I'm not trying to be exhaustive here, but just give a few suggestions on how to answer the question, why did Paul the Apostle write the, the, the epistle, the letter to the church or the Christians at Rome? First answer is uh, to declare the gospel. 
as God's righteous way of saving sinners. Now, I I want to underline the word righteous here. Uh, God could not save sinners any other way but to do so justly. And as you read through the book of Romans, you will see that it is a treatise that establishes God's right wiseness or righteousness, God's right ways in justifying sinners. And this is one of the great issues. How can a holy God declare a sinner to be righteous, bring him into heaven, and still remain a righteous God? And of course, that is all answered in the cross. And when you get to Romans 3, you will read there about God uh, justifying uh, sinners righteously by the death of his own son, pouring out his wrath upon his own son. Another reason is that God uh, requires righteousness. And chapters 1 to 4 in the book of Romans is really about the efficiency of God's righteousness. It is not some mess. It is not some sweeping under the carpet. But God effectively and in a proper legal manner devises the way by which he will save his people. And he does it by a provided righteousness in the death of his son. Romans 5 through 8, you have righteousness provided. It is all sufficient and we need nothing more. Indeed, the whole message of the gospel is you dare not add to it. You are not in any way to uh, revisit or add to the finished righteousness of the Lord Jesus because it's a finished work. And that's the theme of Romans 5. Through eight, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. In chapters 9 to 11, which deals with uh, the Jewish people, the olive tree, the Gentiles that are drafted in or grafted in, that uh, the, there is righteousness administered. And then in chapters 12 to 16 in Romans, you have righteousness motivated. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye uh, lay down your body a sacrifice. You, this is your reasonable service because you're a Christian, because you're saved, because God has given you his son and in his son given you all things necessary for eternal life. Now we're to lay down our lives and serve him with all our hearts. So there's sort of an outline on the book of Romans. Thank you for joining with us. Stay tuned now as we go to our music, to our hymn, Abide with me.
Father, we thank Thee for another time in Your Word. And, O Lord, we confess that we are slow, slow learners when it comes to grasping the eternal love, the infinite love of God to our souls. I pray today that You will imprint upon us that we are a loved people, that we are a chosen people, that we are rightly related to God through the Lord Jesus, and that we may declare our union with Him. And in this table today, that we may show forth our faith and our relationship with our blessed Redeemer. So speak through your word and help us in the preaching. May your word be as that dew upon the grass. Give us growth. Lord, we have, we have, we have prayed for that, and we yearn for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This section in Song of Solomon begins with a great surprise, behold, and it ends, verse 7, with a, another surprise, which it says, Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. No spot in thee. Therefore, we can sing, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. This has to be the most wonderful thing in the world. In this Song of Solomon, chapter 3, we've already considered the marriage day. We had a great time looking at the final verse, which talks about the espousals of the king. Now, that's referring to the wedding day. And so when we get to chapter 4, the wedding is over, and they are now married, husband and wife, and their married life becomes a reality. You'll notice the, verse, the word spouse in verse 8. That's the first time in this book the word spouse appears because the wedding is now over. She is indeed his spouse, and he refers to her in that way. Now, in verse 1 to 7, it is a poetical look at the bride. Now, I have to confess that poetry is hard work, certainly hard for me. Poetry is hard to write. Did you ever try it? Poetry is hard sometimes to understand. What is the author trying to say? Why did he not just say it in clearer terms? Usually, poetry has a depth of meaning that's not altogether on the surface. There's something deeper and further beyond. And that's what makes poetry so delightful to ponder. Religious poetry, or hymnology, those lines that rhyme, they are the expressions of our emotions, of our adoration, of our love for the Lord, and of the great things that the Lord has done for us. Now, in poetry, uh, there is the cadence of the words, but more than that, there is personality. We may call it the writer's mood. What frame of mind, what was the state of heart as the writer put pen to paper and wrote 
these words. And let me ask you, what mood do you think Solomon was in when he penned these words? When he began in, in verse 1 here, Behold, thou art fair. By the way, the word fair means beautiful. Beautiful. And then verse 7, he says, Thou art all fair, all beautiful, my love. There is no spot in thee. The answer to that is that the king, the groom, was awestruck with the beauty of his bride. Now, love poetry is a facet of human life that is truly profound. The attempt to express our feelings and our desires in words usually fail us. The Bible itself, indeed Song of Solomon, talks about love sickness. How do you express that? Now, if you've got a fever and a high temperature, you can say, well, I, I feel shivery, I feel whatever. But how do you express that you're lovesick? Have you ever seen someone and you just know that they've just fallen in love? They've been smitten with lovesickness. You can tell, but how do you ever put it into words? Now, love sickness is so personal. It is something that's deep in the human heart. And of course, a thing cannot love. You may love your car, but your car will never love you. Your computer will never love you. You may love it. You may love your smartphone. You may miss it, but it will never miss you. There is no sense of internal emotion within things. But love, how do you understand it and grasp it? What is this that God created man with the capacity to love? And that's the wonder of being made in God's image. Personality is the ability to love, but expressing it is something rather difficult. That's why we go to the drugstore or to the Hallmark store and we try to choose a card, and we get someone else who's good with words to try and put on card form uh, the text of what we would like to say to husband, wife, or whoever. Now, how then can we describe the love of the Lord for his people? The God of heaven, or let us bring it down to the Lord Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, lived on earth, died, rose again, and now is in heaven. How can we begin to communicate to one another in real, genuine, true, meaningful terms the amazing love of the Lord to our hearts. Well, Christians can turn to the Song of Solomon. This is a book that is a wonderful gift from God, and it helps us in understanding this thing. And here we have Solomon the king expressing his love to his bride. And in this 
is a tremendous expression of Christ for his church. Christ for his church. And I love this one-liner. There is no spot in thee. In one statement, it sums up everything that the Lord has to say to us. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. Now, all of this, of course, is really good news for the Christian. And if you're united to the Lord, if you are washed in his blood, and if you are a member of his church, and I don't mean the local church, I mean a part of his body, the bride of Christ, you are loved. The Lord sees you, and he says of you, there is no spot in you. Now, this surely is good news for every Christian. Good news for you as you would take that cup and bread, because remember what Paul said, we are to drink worthily, worthily. Now, does that mean am I good enough? Did I do enough? Did I pray enough? Did I read enough? Did I come to church enough? Can I take that communion? Have I worked enough to take that communion? That's not what Paul's asking. When you participate worthily, it is a relation to your faith and your understanding of your marriage to the Lord, that you're his bride, and that the Lord receives you and accepts you, and he states about you, there is no spot in thee. Now, as I look at this here in Song of Solomon, I come up with three major points. The possibility of being a spotless church. How is it possible? We live in a world of sin. I look into my own heart and I see sin. How is this possible? Then also I, I read this and I see the pleasure that the Lord takes in a spotless church. We, we see all the endearment, and we're going to look at seven things that are stated here about the bride in which the groom delights. And then we'll have a look at the profession of a spotless church. Now we have the profession of the Lord about you and me. He sees no spot in us. And as we come to the communion table, we're making a profession of our love for him. And we're going to take the cup and bread, not to say, Lord, I, I've never sinned, but Lord, I know that because of my union with you, I am made right. So let's get to the possibility of the bride, the church, being spotless. Well, you'll notice how this chapter begins. Behold, it's amazing. This is absolutely a shocking surprise. How can it be? And then he says, thou art fair, thou art beautiful. And he says it twice over there in verse 1, and he comes back to it again in verse 7, thou art all fair. There is no part of the bride that is not lovely in the eyes of the, of the Lord. How can this be? Well, it is in the eyes of the groom as he looks upon his bride, and the bride now belongs to him. Now, this is all very interesting stuff until you come to the, the great requirement as a preacher 
You want to be true to the Bible. You want to be true to the gospel. And here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to let you know the shift now. I'm going to try and open this up for you to understand what I'm doing. I'm going to take this picture in Song of Solomon 4, and I'm going to jump outside of this passage, and I'm going to take you away over to the great statements of the Bible about Christ the Bride loving the church. And I'm going to show you that the language that is here is in keeping with what the language of the New Testament is about Christ and his church. Let's look at Ephesians 5 and verse 27. And I take this as my mandate to interpret, to make the determination that this Song of Solomon is a picture of the church. It's more than just marital relations. It is a picture of the Lord and the church. That's why it's in the Bible. That's why it's given here for us. And if you read the language in Ephesians 5.27, you have the Lord who cleanses, washes the church by the water and word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot. Isn't this amazing? I have to wonder, did Paul the apostle read Song of Solomon? Of course he did. He knew it. Now, we're, we're not told that he's quoting from it, but he certainly got the identical language right here. And he says, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. How is this possible? How is it possible? And of course, it's in the context of Christ's death. Oh, it's in dealing with Christ who gave himself for the church. And he says, husbands, love your wives. In fact, in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And it is possible for the bride to have no spot because the groom, the Lord Jesus, went to the cross and he died. And by virtue of his death, by the value of his sacrifice, by the cleansing of his blood, the church, the bride, is made to be without spot. This is the gospel. And this is about your state and my state because I'm a Christian, because we have given ourselves by faith to claim what our Lord did on that cross for our salvation. And therefore, I can take this cup and bread and say, yes, Lord, I receive the gift of salvation, and I rejoice that in your eyes I have no spot, made right, perfectly righteous in God's sight. Now, another like passage, like language, is in the book of Jude, that little book before the book of Revelation, Jude and verse 24. This is like a doxology. It's an item of praise in Jude's closing of the book. And he says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, verse 24, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, let's go back to one verse, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, like language, and then faultless. 
And, and people say, how is it possible? How is it at all possible? And this really is the language of the gospel. It is that fact that the Lord, by his death, by his work for us, he makes us righteous. And this declaring us to be without spot is the declarative righteousness of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's legal language. When we say declarative, it means that the judge declares pronounces you to be free from all sin, all charge, all accusation. And you have that statement of Paul in Romans 8, 33, who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ that died. There is no spot in you in the Lord's sight if you're a Christian, if you're saved. If you are washed in the blood of Jesus, there's, the Lord sees you under that blood, and he accepts you so. Now, I could go on, of course, to preach the gospel on this. I could expand on the, the whole matter of justification, and the book of Romans and Galatians is all about this. How can a man be just with God? And you may say, but how can the Lord say this? Because I don't feel sinless. I don't feel that I qualify. I look at my own life and I see the failures. I know my own sin. That's why this is called declarative. It's a legal declaration. But while you are in the flesh in this world, you will battle with sin, sin within, sin without. There is within you yet a carnal nature that needs the victory over sin. But when the Lord looks upon you, clothed in his righteousness, he declares you to be spotless, perfect. And in that way, he enjoys fellowship, and he enjoys the company of the bride. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. 
Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.